Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Brad Fittler, a former Australian and New South Wales Rugby League player, playing 336 matches for the Penrith Panthers and Sydney Roosters. He played 31 matches for New South Wales and represented Australia on 38 occasions. He's currently the New South Wales State of Origin coach, a commentator and a television presenter. And Brad Haddon, a former Australian and New South Wales cricketer and teammate, playing 184 first-class matches, including 66 tests for Australia. He scored 3,266 test runs at 32 and scored four test hundreds. Behind the stumps, took 262 catches and eight stumpings. Post-career, he's turned his hand to coaching, working with both domestic franchises, IPL teams and the Australian cricket team. And Stephen O'Sullivan, Australian businessman and owner of one of Australia's largest driving schools, L-Trent, and founder of the Growth Workshop, assisting people in growing their business. Let's get started. Let's get started on the show today. Brad Fittler, a former Australian and New South Wales rugby league player. He's currently the New South Wales State of Origin coach, a commentator and television presenter. Welcome, Freddie. Shane, how are you, buddy? Mate, thanks for doing this, mate. Brad Haddon, and two Brads actually on the show, a former Australian and New South Wales cricketer and teammate. Welcome, Hads. Morning, Lee. How are you, mate? Very well. And our third coach today, uh, one of our sponsors, Stephen O'Sullivan, is Australian businessman and owner, family business of Australia's largest driving school, L Trent. But you've just launched the Growth Workshop, which is coaching people in their business needs, mate. So welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Good to be here, Shane. Well, boys, welcome to the show, Freddie. So you and Hads actually have known each other for years. You both hung around the eastern suburbs for, for many years. Um, Freddie, how's uh, how's life after sport, mate, for you? Well, I'm still I'm still involved with sport, yeah. so. Um, I think I always look back on one of the most fortunate things ever that happened in my life. I ran into footy when I was about three years old, and I'm still involved with footy. So I've never been put under, I think, that much stress like a lot of people about trying to find the things you love. It's just everything's come really easy with footy. So I'm now coaching and commentating on it and uh, and still love it. So, mate, Living the dream. And my daughter has just got a piece. So I'm not sure if she used your company, but she just got a piece. And my young bloke's like 15, and he's you know he's into life. So you know it's uh, hidden one of those little golden periods, mate. And you you uh, you started started at Penrith, um, ended up playing in the eastern suburbs, and you're now living on northern beaches. You're a man of the people. Yeah, mate. I've lived everywhere basically in the uh, Sydney basin. So I started at Liverpool as a kid. So my sort of primary school days were at a place called Ashcroft. Yep. And then moved to Penrith, a place called Warrington. And then from there, moved into the city, actually. Lived there for a long time. I loved living in the city. It was like you're right in the middle of, uh, in Kent Street, down the rocks. And then eastern suburbs, Rush Cutters, that was more Haddo's area, Rush Cutters Bay and all that. Not these days, not these days. And then um, I was at Collaroy and now I'm at Terry Hill. So All over the place, mate. Love it. Hey, Hads, mate, you, you originally grew up in Canberra um, and you, you love your footy too, don't you? Yeah, I was actually born in, in Cowra. I was born in Cowra. Then I, my, my old man brought a pub in Gundagai, so I spent uh, quite a bit of time there, then, then moved to Queanbeyan. We, we weren't exposed much in, in Canberra to to cricket at that stage. So the only thing we really had to, to follow as a professional sport was rugby league and the Brumbies sort of to come in then. So our first taste as kids growing up as professional sport and, and watching the way athletes develop was watching the Canberra Raiders, watching the Stewarts and then green the Dalys, Yeah, the, the Green Machine when they were... Yeah, when they were really good. Did you play? Yeah, I did. Um, it was interesting. I, I stopped playing. I came up and played my first year of 
New South Wales and and I wanted to make sure I was fit coming back to to play that next year. So I went back down and played for the Queen Roos, but halfway through the season and, and Gavin Miller had come back. Yeah, he right. just, just retired. So I remember going into a, to a tackle, his run, and he's playing with my face and everything <laughs> like that. And I remember sort of just throwing my elbow to get out of the way. And he just put two on my chin quickly. And, and I remember getting up, and I was only 19, 18, 19, to, to play the ball and, and looked up and said, well, what am I going to do? And we had a tough little hooker, you know, that liked to, back in those days, liked to sort things out. And our under-17s hooker was on at the time, so I just got up, played the ball, walked off, and my old man goes, go to cricket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Stephen, Stephen you're, a, you're a Joey's boy. Were you, you're a rugby boy. You're more on your tennis, aren't you? Yeah. yeah I, played, I had to play rugby because it was Joey's, but t- tennis was my sport. Well, I had dreams of being a pro and kind of got to 16 and, you know, the it's not really going to work. And, um, it's not a business. Yeah, well, no, no, tennis coaching was the option. And um, with the Irish blood, they haven't got the complexion for tennis coaching. So I had to go in a different different way. That's why I thought you were going off tennis. <laughs> There's too much sun, mate. <laughs> what, what, what do you find? Did you find, I'll probably ask you at the end of your career, but do you find coaching easier or playing easier? Oh, it's just, I'm older now, so it's easier coaching. If yeah. I played now, I'd die. Yeah. But but when you were playing, it no, Co. I think playing playing is easier. You have a bit more say in what's going on, and also about the way the team behaves. I think the players have a much bigger say on that. Like coaches can have impacts, and there's some really good coaches that know that know that environment really well. But as a player, you know, especially if you're a sort of a senior player, you get a big say in how your team behaves and plays, and and you can get the ball too. It makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, when you want it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Give me the, <laughs> the good end. <laughs> what about you, Hadzi? Oh, yeah, I think it it's, goes two ways. When you start your career, oh, I think one thing, yeah, you, you're a lot better cricketer talent-wise when you start your career, yeah. um, and, and that's what I, I found. You, you, you're a lot freer. You can move the game forward. There's no accountability w- when you started. Then you start to get older and you go into that senior player spot. You become captain. You've got to create an identity for the team. Then that's when all the the pressure starts to, to come then because you're accountable for setting up the environment. So from a coaching point of view, I, I found that quite uh, relaxing, to, to be honest. Yeah, if you're prepared and you've created the identity you've won, I, I thought it would be harder, that, but letting the guys go out and play their style, I, I've been content. As long as you've got the your foundation set up and, and I like them to move the game, learn to play the game. And Yes, there's a lot of analytics in, involved in sport these days, and then that plays a role. But you also want to create eyes up cricketers and things like that. So that that's the thing I've enjoyed a, about coaching, not to overcoach the the players and get them out there to, to play what's in front of them. That's what I've enjoyed a, about coaching. And then it's up to them. I want to ask you both because the game's sport has changed in general. If you look at the game now, I read about a concussion every every week now. You look at Boyd Courtney. Will, will he ever play again? You got Pekulski in in the Test matches like. He seems to get hit in the head every, every match. Um, how, how's, how's that really changed what, what people are thinking and, and there's doctors around the game? Is that sort of helping or hindering? No, I, I think that's actually a good thing about the game. As in any sports, it used to be the, a badge of honour when, when you play, when you, you get hit in the head and you, you try to get through that, that, that stage of the game and, and you come off with your chest puffed out to, to get through that moment. And that's how we're all brought up, not to, to give a sucker an even break to, to make sure you've valued your position, but... Oh, I think cricket's changed a lot. We, you never turn up to a game of cricket, um, no matter when your parents played when you started at five and six to, to think someone's going to pass away. And, and I think after the Phil Hughes thing with, with cricket, I think that just changed 
everything for for the way cricket is. Lost lots a bit of its innocence. Um, the game there. Yeah, I remember watching kids play after that and being so conscious of, with with helmets and, and things. And you see the the roll on effects later later in life. So mate, you look at the fast bowlers now, mate. Some of them. I don't know whether that's from being hit in the head a lot or just no, that they're, they're, they're always they're stupid. Born like that after but, fast uh, yeah, it lost its innocence with um, um, when Phil Hughes passed. Boyd, Boyd Corner, that's a real concern. He's, he's going to have the next, or what, the first half of this season off, isn't he? So in 12 weeks, uh, I'm pretty sure they just put him through a different process of training and just to go back and try to freshen up the body and maybe realign the body. I know Anthony Minicello did it. He had some really bad back injuries yeah. and plenty of operations and he went and just changed the way he trained and uh, he came back better for it, ended up captaining the Roosters to a grand final. So I think they're doing something similar to Boyd and then he'll come back and then have to start contact and um, get back into the team. So I'm gathering, say, mid-year, uh, you'll see Boyd Cordner. Stephen, any concussion playing tennis, mate? No. <laughs> no. Not that I can remember. Hey, had some, throughout your career, mate, you had some fantastic highlights. Uh, the Ashes here in Australia where you – both kept and, and batted superbly. Was that probably the highlight, if you look back now, of, of your individual playing career? Yeah, I, I think as as a test cricketer, every test's important. We say the right things, but you're always judged on on your Ashes campaigns. It, and, and it's it's a whole theatre behind it as well. It, and when an Ashes campaign's on, you, your mum and dad can be at work and everyone's got to comment on, on what the series is and where it's at. But I, I think that one you're talking about was so special was... That's after I had 12 months out of the game. I didn't think I was going to come back when Mia got sick. Um, and, and that was the first time I'd got back to to Australia to play in front of family and, and friends and everyone. And knowing how much it meant to, to everyone to, to get back. There's a lot of sacrifices made for my family for me to, to get back with, with Mia's condition as well. So that was the first time I'd I'd got back to, to play in Australia. And, and, and if I was honest, Shane, I, I didn't feel that much pressure um, when I came back from those 12 months out. Is that because you had perspective now because your daughter was sick? Yeah, I, I think I had perspective, but I, I never thought I was going to play the game again. I, I was happy when, when me got ill to, to walk away from the game. I was content with what I did. And then after that, um, to, to get back and to play the way you did, it, it was just, yeah, it was, he just played eyes up cricket. He enjoyed the moment no matter what the situation was, tried to change momentum of the game. And to be on the the stage again to, to win an Ashes. I'd never won one before that, to, so to finally win it, to win it 5-0 with a group of players, we had 11 players that play that whole series was pretty special. It was, yeah. And how's Mia now? She's good, running the house, as every, um, <laughs> very yeah, every, every 10-year-old does. So she had a, yeah, she, obviously had neuroblastoma, but we, we had some um, dark days then when she first diagnosed. We got told a couple of times she wasn't going to go through the night, um, but she just kept fighting and, and presenting she's she's 10 now she, she's had complications on the road um but yeah she, she reacted well as i said nightmare to get ready for school nightmare to pack a lunch just like any other is day to day she a normal 10 year old yeah she is if you've seen her you, you wouldn't know um she'll have complications we think as different stages of adolescence goes through because the treatment plan was so aggressive um, she had neuroblastoma stage four, which is as aggressive a- as you can get. So she had chemo, radiation therapy, bone marrow, surgery. Um, then we had a, a few complications along, along the way. So, But, yeah, she's, you, you wouldn't know now if you looked at her. Um, but we'll see as time goes on. Hey, Freddie, um, 
back in your playing career, what any particular moment sticks out for you, like 2002 Premiership, uh, State of Origins? Well, if anything, the, the bad times stick out because it's the bad times when you go on ordinary that end up sort of getting yourself to get into gear and change a few things and look at your life and look at the way things are going. And So, you know, you know, lucky enough to play in some grand finals and play for Australia for a long time in New South Wales, but I reckon the sort of the, the poor parts of my career really stood out and from a point of view of then I had to change lifestyle and make real big changes to just the person I was and the way I went about things. So, yeah, I find I react pretty good when, you know, things go bad because I always look back to myself and go, well, what can I do? You know, and then normally I get a positive reaction out of what I'm doing and, you know, it was mostly a bit lazy or, you know, just uh, – uh, whether I'm a bit full of myself at the yeah. time or a bit lazy or a bit whatever it is. But um, it's one sort of thing that I've always been able to do, with, even as a young kid, you know, when things aren't really bad, I've always been able to, you know, sort yourself out, make a, you know, be a bit tough and make a few sacrifices and away you go. So, Hey, Sam, so with, with the Growth Workshop, with your business coaching, is that, what, is that what you do with business owners? You get them to, I suppose, self-reflect and look back at their business and help them get away from the day-to-day running? What, what, what do you do? I suppose it depends on the business, does it? Yeah, oh, it's, there's, a, there's an approach that I have and it is really that. It's the, um, most people start a business um, with big dreams that, that, it, that it's going to be something that's going to provide them with an extraordinary life and they're usually very good at the, the product or service that the business is and they, it'll grow to a certain level where it's, it's actually trapping them and they need to, to, to see it in a different light. They need to wear different hats. They need to upskill. And the role of the coach is really to, as you guys were saying, they've got to do the playing out on the field. Yep. They've got to do the day-to-day. Yep. But it's it's allowing them to see a different perspective, maybe coaching for skills sometimes, um, seeing a way forward, and um, help, helping them helping them progress um, to, to, a, to a business and a life that they want to live. And Freddie, is that, is that what you're enjoying now from, like, have been able to use your knowledge from your playing days and, and part that on, on say, uh, the New South Wales team or, mm. or when you're coaching the Roosters? I don't get that much of a chance to to really train them. Yep. I had a better – when I used to coach the 16s and 18s, I had more time because we had camps and you could actually have more time with these kids. But these blokes are coming from, you know, professional clubs, so basically you've got them for three games. So yep. it's a pretty different scenario when you look at Steve's who's sort of looking at blokes who are building – companies over years and years and years, you know, and dealing with that everyday thing where I'm just, it's intense. It's about, you know, picking the right players more than anything and then just getting out there and getting it done on the night and dealing with the pressure. So uh, it's a, it's an awesome thing, start of origin. I'm gathering it's a bit like the Indian thing where it's just bang, you're in there. It's like you're getting punches in the head. You've got to hold your hands up and, you know, it's over before you know it. You know, you wake up and it's over. You go, whoa. You know, it's like you've aged. Did you – you went on three kangaroo tours? Is that right? Yeah, so they uh, went in 90, 94, and then they pretty much sort of stopped them. And then they ended up doing another kangaroo tour in, I think, say, 2000 or 2001. There was a World Cup and a kangaroo tour in successive years. So, And how were they? Because you, you would spend – as you were saying before, then you, at the moment now you're doing a lot of shorter burst stuff, but the kangaroo tours were over months. So oh, months, yeah. That, that, that would have been great experience learning from when you were started. You played with some of the greats. Well, I, I learned how to drink. Yeah, big time. Which wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, it's, well, you know, I, actually we met up with a few of the boys one year. Actually, we got in the drink with the boys. But Sounds like an ashes. You know, when I was 18, I was an idiot. <laughs> You know, I had this great opportunity and just went over and, you know, pretty much just didn't look after myself and, 
you know, and they put me with Chris Johns, who Chris Johns drinks six gooners every day. So he's in England, so he drinks six pints, all right? And then he just walks home, you know. I'm next to him. I'm six pints. I'm getting my dancing gear on. I want to dance and <laughs> get up to mischief. So Chris Johns killed me. Like, how they ruined me with him was just the dumbest thing they ever did, so. Who was your first room you had? You. Was it? Yeah, one, was, one of my first. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that scarred me, actually. I remember one of my first tours with you. You were uh, captain. And we've gone up to, to Queensland to play one of the first Shield games. The humidity's coming up. Everyone's talking about you can't win it uh, up in Queensland. And I remember under my door, there's a, uh, an envelope. I open it up and there's about 200 um, drink cards from City Rowers. And I remember going to you, oh, what's happening? You go, I'll take them. And, <laughs> and I remember we got through the um, Shield game. and oh, I, I don't know. I think we might have got pummeled by Hados or Mar or something like that. We didn't have a great record up there at the time. So we, we went and uh, seen if we could find some runs and that down at City Rolls. And we went really well in the, in the one day. And I remember being out there and about, I was about 10 and the humidity got me. I started cramping the calves. The physios <laughs> rung out. He said, how's your hydration? What's happening out here? Something must be wrong with your blood sugar level. And I'm thinking, jeez, he doesn't know where we were the last two days. So that was my introduction to uh, New South Wales cricket with you. I remember playing out there and, uh, with Greg Matthews and he started to call the 12th man, like waving a hand when he was batting. And the told him to run out. Well, what do you want? He's like, he was drawing it like a G in the air. Well, what, what, what does he want? The drink bottle? It doesn't start with G. And he actually wanted his wife's G string. He said he was struggling out there and he wanted, he wanted to close to him. Well, we don't. <laughs> Did it work? Yeah, I think he got about 60. One of the greats. But no one would go near him after that. Hey, um, Hads, but talk through uh, some really good challenges talking about his Ashes series with Ben Stokes. <laughs> ben Stokes. Uh, I actually, I remember in that series in 2012-13, he, he didn't play the first test. But you know in sport these days, everyone knows someone. you, you got all your analytics and that, you can't hide anywhere. And they thought he was going to play the second test. Anyway, we were in our team meeting. They said, oh, he bats a bit, he bowls. But if you get the chance just to roll him up a bit, he's a bit, uh, he's a bit violent, as we've seen, actually. <laughs> uh, but and uh, so Jono and I said, you know what, if we see the opportunity... We'll do it. So I was on about 50, and, he, and he's nicked me off. So 50, I'm walking off disappointed. And I looked up on the screen at Adelaide Oval, and he went over by that much. So that would have been his first test wicket. So it was a no ball. I got caught back. As I was walking back, I noticed the umpire's off to the side. So I just took a detour and just slapped him on the bum as I went past and said, oh, mate, congratulations on your first test wicket. It's hard to get there. All your family and that should be proud. Anyway, he just went, Phew. So I turned my back, went back to the um, crease. He bowled the next ball straight past me. Eyes and the umpires walked past. I caught eye contact with the game. I said, well done, mate. First test week. It's a big, big event. Go on the non-strikers end. And as I was there, he's at short mid-wicket. Umpires looked away. I went over it again. Anyway, he's blown up. And I've turned my back on him. I said to the umpire, I said, mate, these young guys have got to start respecting the game. He's just come in. He's saying, oh, I'm tough. I can do this. And I said, mate, all you've got to do is respect the game. I'm trying to bat. And the moral of the story is he got fined 50% of his match fee at the end of the game. I got nothing. <laughs> How many runs you get? I think I got 100. <laughs> we might just take a quick break now. We're actually dining outdoors for the first time here. Um, we're at the canteen in Worrywood. It's a beautiful little coffee shop in a park and uh, the sun's shining and uh, we're going to have some nice healthy food today. Not too much wine, but of course we'll have an O'Brien beer. As a professional sports person, I knew the value of a good coach, and being a business owner is no different. 
With the Business Coach from Growth Workshop, you can build the business you've always dreamed of, a valuable business that runs by itself. If you need to take control of your future with a winning strategy, Growth Workshop specializes in improving your cash flow, developing sales and marketing strategies to drive revenue, and getting those ideas out of your head into an action plan. Growth Workshop will help you develop a business plan and achieve your financial goals with regular guidance from our experienced team. Whether you want to drive revenue with a new marketing strategy or put the right team and systems in place, we'll help you free up from the day-to-day and allow you to grow your business. We can help. Get in touch with Growth Workshop Business Coaching at growthworkshop.com.au to book in for your no-obligation strategy session. Growth Workshop, turning your good idea and hard work into a valuable asset. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Hey Brad, um, I'll ask you about Adrian Morley. So 2002, the, the grand final, and I think, was it Richard Villasante ran out and just absolutely crunched you and almost knocked you out, didn't he? And then the next tackle, Morley went back and smashed him back, didn't he? That's- so so the, what happened was, Warringah Cooper actually elbowed me in the head. So I went to kick the ball, Warringah Cooper elbowed me, and that actually knocked me out. And I fell to the ground, and then I was looking for the ball, and that's when he dived and headbutted me. So then after that, the next two times he brought the ball up, Peter Cusack, uh, another front row, they both just come out of the line, and he dropped the ball the next two times he played. He, uh, Moz was incredible. He was when he used to train, but he never trained intensely, but played intensely. And we spoke about that. And it wasn't like it was good for our benefit, being his teammates. He didn't kill us for training, but what it did do it. He never practiced actually what he did on the field, and he used to get sent off so much. And that's why he had to go back to England. And we talked about that later. But um, the thing I remember about Moz so much was actually in the 2004 Grand Final we got beat, and. I remember I was standing the first receiver and I was going to the line and Moz was on the inside and he's got that pommy accent and he told me to chip. Like, we were dead set 35 metres out from our own line. And when I've seen it in replay, it's like it, I, I had to just kick the ball. He would have just caught it, you know. And I didn't. I passed to him. He dropped it. Like, and I was one of those things I was just so dirty on that I just never reacted. But I just, when I think about it, you, you know, it's mad anyway. Like a pommy front row telling you to chip, yeah. like to chip and chase and, thirty metres out from your own line. And, but and a big northern accent, and must have like to do a shit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, actually, when I look back, there's some funny things in your career where you think, I just wish I'd, a, you know, I remember. I dropped a ball off Matt Gilly. I didn't support him, actually. And the look in his face, I can still see it right now, you know. And that was one of the other ones where I just wish I had a chip to for him. Yeah. But you're right. It could have sounded like shit. I could have just got so confused. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll be using that in the future. Don't worry. I'll have to – I'll twist that into a joke somehow. Who, who are some of the, the funny guys you play with, teammates? Oh, Fletch. Oh, really? Yeah, just mad. So, Fletch and – there's a bloke named Natty Wood. Yep. So I'm not sure if you know, <laughs> he's a lunatic. So he, uh, between them two, uh, they were very good. 
No, very funny. What about you, Hads? Who was some funny guys? Simo was pretty funny, wasn't he? Yeah, at I, his own expense. Yeah, I, I like I like playing with Simo. He he was one of those guys that every team should have, no matter what the scenario was. He he would do whatever he could for the team. And and the one thing I liked most about him, he he enjoyed his wins, and and he passed that on to us as well. He, he enjoyed his wins and losses for Australia like they're going to be their last game. And that's how we celebrated our test. No matter if we, we won, we celebrated like it was going to be our last. And if we lost, we celebrated like it was also going to be the last. But the, the one thing I like most about Simo is when he got on the field, he, he didn't acknowledge opposition. You, you know, these days you see a lot of them talking with each other. Yeah, and, yeah. But he didn't acknowledge them. No matter what you said to do, he, he was... Since we got to the ground, he was all about us. He, he wasn't. He didn't care about that. He had a beer with him afterwards, but he was all all about us. So, and that's what I enjoyed most about him. Mate, I remember being at the Cricket Academy with him. I would have been nineteen ninety three or four, and he said to me, "Have you done this uh, university shit?" And I said, oh, "Yeah, I've, I've been to university. If that's what you're asking, um, Andrew." And he said, "And at that time, I didn't realise it, but the poor guy couldn't really write that well. And he had a girlfriend back in in Brisbane, and she wanted to write." because we're down over nine months, wanted to write to love letters. And so he said, can I help him out? So I helped him out the first time. And then I worked out after a couple of months, he wasn't proofreading the letters. So I started to put in a few little <laughs> salacious things. And he said to me, Jesus Christ, this grammar shit's working. She's doing some amazing things to me. <laughs> so he, he was always a good bloke to play with. Hey, um, I like to ask every um, guest on the show the same question. I'll ask you first, Freddie. Um, if, you, if there was a young, talented kid coming through in football right now, what advice would you give him? Don't drink. Don't drink, yeah. <laughs> Mate, I, you know, just trying not to indulge. Yep. You know, I indulged a lot when I was younger. I, you know, I just look back, might have been a different time, but, uh, you know, if I'd have um, just, yeah, not indulged as much, right. been fitter. Yep. you got to be fit, you know, in any sport. you got to be as fit as you can be. So I, I just encourage that. I just encourage to give yourself the best chance. Well said. What about, what about you, Ads? Yeah, I, I think it was one that, that we got taught real early as well. He's turn up every day to, to get better. Um, I, I think some do, some days now guys turn up and, and go through the, the motions. I, I couldn't do that as a player. Every time I, I turned up to train, it was I was there to get better. And the, the day I lost that drive to do it, I, I said... That I've had enough. So that's the one thing I'd like to see in younger players now, that they turn up to get better and to lead the game in a better place. Yeah. And, Stephen, what advice would you give to a young business owner coming through? Um, be a lifelong learner. Work, work on yourself as, uh, as much as you work on your business. Um, you know, that, that pattern of you go to school, maybe do a bit of uni, and then you're done. It's, um, in today's world, it's not enough. The world's changing so quickly, so... Continue the learning. And, and, and is that part of what you've done, Freddie? Like, little stuff I've seen you do with the guys leading up to the State of Origin, they're walking around with that shoes on. There's a lot of alternative stuff that you use, isn't it? Mate, you just got to create a happy yeah. environment. Yeah. As simple as that. Uh, and, you know, there's so much science around all those little quirky mm. things, you know. you got to walk around the ground for a long time to have a proper health benefit, but to walk around on a footy ground after a training session feels awesome. Yeah. It does. So those benefits, you know. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I, when I sort of finished with the Roosters, actually, just re, you know, read a lot on all different topics, you know, and they weren't all just about coaching or you know, a lot of them were about, uh, yeah, that alternative sort of, um, you know, ways of life. And yeah, they're good. They make you feel good. Yeah. And they're fun. If you're enjoying this episode, why don't you check out one of last year's episodes with Mark Hughes, Brett Kamali and Jude Bolton for all things AFL and Rugby League. Do, 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 do.
Hey, Hazel, I'll ask you, um, the current Australian coach, Justin Ling, is getting a little bit of press at the moment, saying he's quite prickly. You, you actually, I don't know, you didn't play with him, you would have played against him, but you've coached with him. How, how is he as a coach? Yeah, he's. I think every coach um, has their moments. He's passionate about the Australian cricket team, and that's one thing that stands out. Um, he's a... He's a hard worker. He likes to, to work hard. He likes to motivate his team. The, the one thing you, you need, though, you need staff to balance that. I, I think when I was there and other guys that were there, we balanced what he did as well. Yes, he was um, a motivator. He made, made sure that the guys, after what happened in South Africa, really appreciated playing for Australia. So, But there's also... Now you've got to have staff that, that balance. You can't always be kicking a can or, or yeah. things like that. So the one thing he has, he's got a lot of passion for this Australian cricket team. And, and you only have to look at what he's done since South Africa. Um, that, that was a really dark day for, for Australian cricket. Not, not only for commercially and everything else, but the kids are playing the game. That, uh, the kids lost a lot of trust in what the Australian cricket team stood for. And that's the one thing he brought back. So with, with Tim Payne as well. So I, I don't have a problem with him, him being prickly. Um, m- most coach you are, you just need people around you that, that can complement your set. Would, um, would you, okay, quick prediction, uh, who's going to make the Big Bash final and who's going to win it on Saturday? Oh, Sixers. Sixers are flying, yeah, aren't they? They're a yeah, good team, yeah. yeah. I think the one thing I've enjoyed about the Sixers is if you look through the stats of everything, there's not one player. Yeah. One thing they do well is win those big moments. And as mm. you know in sports, yes, you can have the, the best stats and everything, else, but it's winning those big moments and someone always stands up. And, and that, to me, um, shows a sign of a, a really good team. I, I think the Scorchers will be a, a tough tough one. They've got a good bowling uh, attack, but they can also be predictable. Um, but I, I think the Sixers be the Scorchers final. There you go. What's the, uh, the West Indies bloke's name that left? Um, Holder. Jason Holder. How good is he? He's one of the best cricketers. Like, I've sort of been in and out of cricket a little bit lately over the last sort of 10 years because I think there's a lot of it. And, but I haven't seen a, a cricketer like him where I've sat there and watched him and thought, you know what, he's just, he nailed all those moments. You know, he, when they need a good over, when they needed him to hit a run or... Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say, Jason Holder, as, as well. He was at um, Sunrise's bus in the IPL. And he, right. he didn't come in to, to halfway through the tournament and he wasn't really playing then. You watch him prepare. Like, you can see guys preparing for 2020 and they just open their front leg and hit sixes everywhere. And you can get sort of away with it a bit. But he, he was really calculated in what he was doing. He was always trying his Yorkers and he'd go in and bat in the nets and he'd train for those last five overs, all those last five balls where he'd have his position where he had to hit his sixes. But he's also captain the West Indies really young. Um, and, and that's a hard yeah. uh, job to do. The West Indies are all about... yeah. <laughs> Or they, different are, countries. they are Calypso cricket, moving the game forward with, with no accountability. And, and, yeah. and the one thing he did, he, he enjoyed those big moments. Um, and, and, yeah, he was good to have around. Freddie, prediction for the uh, NRL this year, and how will the Roosters go? Uh, Roosters, tough one. They get a little bit, they get a little bit older. Uh, they've got some good young kids coming through, so it'll be interesting how they go. They'll be in the you know top top four, top six. Uh, I think Canberra, it's mostly Canberra's year. I think they'll lose, start to fade after this, so... Uh, Papali, the hook will be back. Um, the halfback's been here a year, and then Jack Wyden, I think. So, you know, I think um, this is their time if they want it to be. And Penrith will be interesting. Yeah. So, they were so brilliant last year. They won so many games, got beaten the final against, you know, obviously a side that were just uh, brilliant at big games where they just, you know, sucked the life out of the game, basically. And 
So I'd say, you know, if Penrith can improve, they could win it. It's Canberra's. This is their moment, I think. I think you're right, yeah. So, I hope yeah, you're big right. year for them. <laughs> yeah, you'll be celebrating with a can in your hand. I'll be celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, boys, thanks for coming on the show. I, I think it goes to show. Well, you're both two really good blokes as well. Who always had uh, never really changed since I first met you many years ago, Brad and Brad. And um, so, thanks for coming on the show. And Stephen, um, I think it's been proven that everyone needs a good coach. How do they get hold of you at the Growth Workshop? Uh, Growthworkshop.com.au. There you go, mate. So if you need a good business coach and your business is is maybe not going the right direction at the moment, give Stephen a call. But thanks for coming on the show, guys. Thanks, Lee. Cool. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Brad Fittler, Brad Haddon and Stephen O'Sullivan. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes and making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, The Growth Workshop, Business Coaching, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. And come check us out on our socials. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be chatting some more legends about sport, music and business on another cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. (laughs) 